We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Everybody to another episode here of Setting the Pace. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving weekend, and we are here to recap the game on Friday night and the game tonight. We're going to start with the bad here, Fachi, and talk about this Clippers loss where the Pacers lost 114 to 100. The score seemed closer than it was. It was no Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard, no problem for the Clippers as Zubach dominated this game. 31 points, 29 rebounds, almost had a 30 and 30 game, Fachi. This was just not the Pacers' night. It really wasn't. I felt like the Pacers were getting clowned towards the end because everybody in the building wanted the 30-30 performance right over there. And I mean, Zubox, it, it, it cost, it took him fouling out in order for him to not get it because he was going for it. The Clippers wanted him to get it. And this is just, Alex, it's got to be the worst performance we've seen from the Pacers on the year, right? Offensively, oh, yeah. for a fact, it is. I know the 114 on paper might not look that bad because they've given up a lot more. But offensively, this team, I don't know who got off the plane, you know, for this game, but it was not the Indiana Pacers. I mean, they were trailing by two points heading into the into the half. Mm-hmm. And then they come out and put up 12 points in the third quarter. Just mm-hmm. awful shooting from, from the field in this game, Flachie. They had no answer for Zubach, like we said. I, I thought Terrence Mann had a really nice game for the Clippers as well. Uh, picked his spots, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's just like nobody really got going. Matherin didn't really get it going off the bench. Buddy Heald was dreadful from the three-point line. It was like Jalen Smith had 19 points in the first half. You really think he's going to break out of the shooting slump and and become, you know, getting some confidence back, and then all of a sudden, uh, he only has four points and three re- rebounds in the second half. Uh, it, it felt like, I told you off-air, a little bit similar to what he did against 
the 76ers earlier this season where he had a monster first half, like 16 points. And, and you're thinking, oh, man, Jalen Smith's really going to, you know, be free or, or whatever you want to call it. He's breaking out. And, and all of a sudden, he just kind of reverts back to his role and didn't play as well. Miles didn't have a good game. Tyrese had an okay game. It, it was really just a pathetic performance from this Pacers team. But they've been playing so good, you knew that it was going to eventually happen where they just had a bad night. I knew it was eventually going to happen. And a couple of things I want to touch on that you mentioned. You know, I was surprised that the 19 points that Jalen Smith had at halftime matched a career high. Mm-hmm. As good as he was last year for the Pacers, I was stunned that was a career high because there was many times where he had 17 points. I believe he had 19 or was, you know 18. He had a bunch of those games. Like you mentioned, finishes with 23, a new career high, but kind of really disappeared in the second half when he was the major positive in the first half. Overall, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, if you want to find a positive and you got to search deep for it, he once again did not commit a turnover. 11 assists to zero turnovers. I believe that takes uh, the last two games now 26 assists to zero turnovers. Awesome. But at the same point, this is a team sport, not an individual sport. So that was basically the only positive I could find. Across the board, a game that you really want to forget. I mean, Zubox out there looking like Will, Jack, what, what, I, whatever historic. Kevin Love. I mean, hey, if you want to talk 30-30, then yeah, pretty much. But the Pacers out-rebounded by, I think it was 23 rebounds in this game. Yeah, 62-39, to 39, Fudge. It's ne- you're never going to win a game when you're you're crushed on the boards like that. You know you forget that the Pacers were able to force 18 turnovers, but it means nothing when you can't hit a basket yourself. Only two threes made for the Pacers in the whole second half. A team that lives and dies by the three cannot finish the game shooting 21.4 percent from three. It's just not going to cut it. No, you're right about that. And then you also have to look at the points in the paint here, Fachi. 66 points in the paint for the Clippers, just 48 for the Pacers. So when you're not hitting from deep and you and you can't score on the inside, that's what's going to happen. And, I mean, that's just – the Pacers really don't have, like, a dominant low post score like a Zubac or someone like that, right? But just their inability to hit from outside made them easier to guard. One thing I, I think a lot of people brought up on Twitter, but I don't know, people – it felt like Twitter was a little bit quiet tonight. Uh, probably because it's the middle of a Sunday afternoon on a Sunday and the, a lot of football going on, people watching that. But one thing I thought that was really smart by Ty Lue was putting a wing defender on Miles Turner and putting Zubac on Jalen Smith. Now, to Jalen Smith's credit, he was hot early on. But eventually, the law of averages played out, and Jalen Smith went cold a little bit after that. So, you know, I think you're going to see teams use that blueprint a little bit more I talked about this briefly on Twitter uh, uh, after the Nets game or during the Nets game. I thought they might put Nick Claxton on, on, on Jalen Smith a little bit, maybe go Ben Simmons on Miles Turner, just because Turner's been so good at you know stretching the defense out with his three point shooting and be able being able to take care of uh, or take advantage of you know matchups uh, against smaller defenders in the paint. When you when Jalen Smith has not really shown that he's like this great low post threat, they don't use him like that. We've talked about it before. I brought it up a couple episodes ago. They they kind of have put him in that Miles Turner role when yep. Sabonis was here, right? So if you put a defender on him, that doesn't really have to worry about him, especially a guy like Zubac that is not going to go out there and play on the perimeter. 
you're you're saying, okay, we don't think that Jalen Smith can beat us. We're going to try to take Miles out of this game by putting whoever they put on him. I forget at that point, but that that was a very smart move, I think, by the Clippers, and I, I think it disrupted the Pacers a little bit. No, it did it did just really unfortunate. Look, as good as Turner has been, and he has been great this year. This was a game that he got in foul trouble early and just never really established himself. I mean, look at this. Turner, nine shots in the game. Six of them came from three. So just one of six. When you talk about needing kind of a low post presence, we needed more of an aggressive miles in this game. And unfortunately, this is more of the aggressive in terms of getting in foul trouble early. So this is a game that finished with four fouls, three turnovers, the rare zero block performance for miles only gets to play 20 minutes. So that, that was frustrating because it just felt like the Clippers, and in specific, Zubox was just feasting on the Pacers, and there was nothing they could do about it. But just cold shooting performance overall. I mean, Buddy Heal, the guy who, obviously, when he's hot, things are going differently. One of nine from three, that was a big difference. Three of 14 overall for Buddy. Neesmith, one of seven. I mean, you can't have two guys in the starting lineup combined to go four of 21 and think that you're going to have some luck. So, oh, man, I mean, and even Matherin, it, this, it hurts me to say it because he was massive in that fourth quarter against the Nets with 16 points. Matherin we'll talk just, about that. Just, yeah, we will. Just two points in the second half for Matherin in this game. It really felt like I barely even remember seeing him out there in the second half today. It was that kind of game, just a performance that you want to forget ASAP. Yeah, this um this game from Mather, I mean, he was four of eleven, so not great, but we've seen this from him before. Uh get off to a cold start and, and then kind of change it up, or he'll get off to a really hot start and then kind of have a little bit of a quiet second half once the team adjusts defensively, or I don't know. It just feels like he's not getting the ball consistently enough with that second unit where he has the opportunity to drive and, and kind of be like, okay, put the ball in his hands and let him go to work. Like he had a he had a chance there at the end of the third quarter in this game to to try to like maybe take someone off the dribble or, or shoot a step back three. And, you know, he made the right move because the defense was sagging off and McConnell was wide open. But, oh. you know, this McConnell shot takes 10 seconds to release. So defen- defenses can get right back on there and cover that. So that's not the guy you really want out there to run this play with. But he made the right basketball move. But at the same time, I just feel like Matherin, when he's aggressive and looking for a shot, like you said with Turner, this is what makes him better. And I think – with the Clippers, we know they're a very wing-heavy team. Mm-hmm. They've got bigger defenders. I, I'm sure that did bother him a little bit. They're quicker. They're longer. So it's going to be more difficult to maybe get foul calls and stuff like that. But, you know, you, you brought up a great point about Miles. Just, you know, didn't look as aggressive. And, and we've seen him put the ball on the floor a little bit more this year as well. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's come down to most teams are putting centers on him. Go back and watch that Timberwolves game when Miles went off. Um, Gobert was on him. Uh, Primarily, there was a couple times when Towns was on him, but mostly it was Gobert. Well, Gobert doesn't come above the free throw line half the time. So mm-hmm. Miles was getting all these open looks, which is what you want to do, spread the floor out. You know, the Timberwolves still won the game. They were worried about protecting the paint, but Miles was making them pay from deep because they weren't stepping out and and, and guarding him. And you got to give Miles credit. He was 7-9 from three that game. He was fantastic. But, you know, when, when teams see that Jalen Smith-Miles-Turner combo out there moving forward, you know, and they've got a center maybe that's not going to be able to go on the perimeter and guard Miles uh, because of his ability to get past him. Don't be surprised if you start seeing bigger guards uh, or bigger wings go against him. So, like, we got the Lakers 
we'll, I'll be interested to see how they guard him. The Kings will be a very interesting matchup because I could see the Kings putting Sabonis on Jalen Smith and maybe putting Harrison Barnes or, or Keegan Murray on Miles Turner just to kind of like make sure that Miles doesn't get going from deep and stuff like that. So I'm just really fascinated to see how teams continue to, to defend the Pacers moving forward. But yeah, once again, we, we didn't get off to a slow start for the first time and I don't know how yep. long and it felt like uh, when, when you see the Pacers have a good first quarter, it's almost like, uh-oh, what's going to happen bad in the second half? No, you're right. And right over there, I mean, even though the, the Clippers scored 35 in the first, the Pacers hung in there with them. They had 29 points, and for a while they were rotating leads. And it, it felt like this was a game where the Pacers, I think they led by as many as eight at one point or six. They were they were definitely in it. It looked like they could take this. We already talked about the guys that, that the Clippers were without, so... Not to say I expected a win, but if we won, I would not have been surprised. And you, you touched on it before about that third quarter. Pacers came out flat. I have the numbers in front of us. Alex, they were 4 of 22 from the field in the Ooh. third quarter. It That right over there, it swung the whole game. You can't score tw- 12 points in a quarter and expect to win. Crazy thing, Pacers only gave up 23 in that quarter. So it's like... Defensively, they didn't do a bad job, but offensively, I mean, they were—they didn't look like an NBA team in that quarter. So that—that that, that was really rough. And this—this this, we knew this stretch was going to be a rough one. I mean, this seven-game West Coast road trip is something that the second the schedule came out, we said this could be the make or break on the season where we learn a lot about this team. So far, the first game, losing to you know depleted uh, Clippers team, not a great sign. You talked about the Lakers. The Lakers are actually playing some good basketball right now, or they're at least playing winning basketball right now. I want to say they've won five of six or five yeah, of seven. Five of their last I mean, either six. way, they're starting to turn it around. So five of the last six, I mean, for a Lakers team that looked atrocious in the beginning of the year, is now starting to, starting to shape up a bit. So... Yeah. We, we got our work cut out for us. I mean, overall, I, I'm hearing Andrew Nemhardt is getting closer to coming back. You know, Chris Duarte is still a bit away, but – and it's not that Nemhardt's going to solve everything. But, Alex, I miss him. The starting lineup misses him. <laughs> That's for so. sure. Um, can I just can I just talk about Aaron Neesmith for a minute? Because Let's do it. You know, I've been teasing you about not being a big believer in him and not yeah. being a big fan. And I'm like, just give him some time. Just give him some time. Well, we're 19 games into the season now, Fachi. We're 11 and 8. And we know Neesmith was injured for a little bit at the beginning of November. So I've pulled up his games in November this month, Fachi. So he's played the last nine games of this month. It's not been good, okay? Field goal percentage for Aaron Neesmith this month 29.1% from the Ooh. field. On he's 1.8 uh field goals made 1.8 field goals attempted 6.1. Now this is where it's not very good. <laughs> three point percentage. Okay, he's known for being a three point shooter. He is just shooting 30.6 percent for the last nine games. Okay, if you take out the game he had against the Magic, where he went five of eight and it was like an anomaly to what he usually does, he's shooting 21 percent from three. Oh my God. So he's just flat out terrible from three. And I feel like, and this is just my opinion, with the shooting slump that Jalen Smith has been in and with the shooting slump that Aaron Neesmith has been in, this starting five to me, maybe they're getting off the slow starts because they have the wrong pieces in the starting five. Carlisle kind of hinted at that after the game against the Nets when they got off to another slow start. 
said maybe they make some changes to the starting lineup. He'll have to look at that. I didn't expect him to make any sudden changes because they've been playing good basketball. Andrew Nimhart coming back adds that secondary playmaker that I think has been really good for this team. Without him, you know, Neesmith's not a playmaker. Jalen's really not a playmaker. Buddy's really not. Neither is Miles. So, you know, you've got a decent group, but, like, that's that. And nobody really that can drive to the basket and create their own shots. Like, that's what Matherin does. They're going to keep him on the bench. I'm not even saying that. But, like, when Nimhart comes back, that's something I'd look at. Uh, when he comes, you know, putting him back in the starting lineup. But for now, if he's not going to be back, I would be interested to see what O'Shea Brissett looks like in that starting lineup over Aaron Neesmith, just because he's been playing better to, you know, better to me in terms of shooting. I think defensively he's been okay. I, I think Neesmith's defense has been pretty solid the whole season. There's been moments where I've loved it and there's moments where I've hated it, but I just feel like Neesmith, he's not been playing that great. I would prefer to, to see someone that's been like playing incredible like O'Shea this month and, and let him start with Buddy, with Tyrese, with Jalen and with Miles, just to kind of see what he could do because I am not uh, not feeling what I'm what I'm seeing from Aaron Eastman so far. Alex, I do not want to be a hater. I've waited, I've waited. I wanted him to succeed, but it's just as an NBA starter in this league, I don't know about that for Aaron Smith. I, I feel like there's there's nothing wrong with having him off the bench in the rotation. I feel like like you talked about. Defense pretty solid at, at times could hit the three, but as an NBA starter, I don't think so. And at least not for now. Nemhard fit that starting five. I feel like he didn't disrupt anything. He could get others going. I even thought he was taking some strides defensively, taking on some big matchups. I like him much better in that starting five. And I do think the Pacers need to tinker around a bit, but for right now, Neesmith is just I know that 19-point performance, it, it was great. You take that 19-point performance out, I mean, there, there's only a handful of games there with double-digit scoring. I mean, overall, from, from three, it, there's a lot left to be desired. This is a guy who was talked as a three-point you know, sniper, shooter, whatever you want to call it, now shooting about 32% on the year from three. So I think he's got to be moved to the bench. And I look forward to Chris Duarte coming back. Yeah, I mean, Duarte, it feels like, you know, feels like this guy left us uh, months ago. It hasn't been that long, but that it just feels like, man, I, I want to see him develop. So I'd be curious if they go, I, I imagine they go back to Nemhard in the starting unit, but I also feel like, Having Duarte out there could help this Pacers team a lot on a night like tonight where just nobody had it going offensively. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy that you you, you like the shooting touch from him. You saw it last year. You feel confident with it. But just real quick to kind of wrap up the Neesmith conversation, you, you're right, Fachi. Over the last nine games, he had three games where he dropped zero points. And if you look at his plus minus for the nine games, you're thinking, okay, it's not bad. It's a plus five. But he was a plus 17 in the, in the first Orlando game and a plus 14 in the second Orlando game. If you do that, He's like a minus 20, I think 28 is what, 20 something. Wait a second. Uh, that'd be like a minus 26, okay? So it's not been good for him. And he's been a negative on the plus minus besides those two games and the other game that he played in uh, against Denver. So besides those three games, he's been a minus, uh, a minus in the plus minus category or he's been at zero. So... I just I have not been liking what he's doing. I feel like when he's on the court, the offense looks clunky at times. I don't trust him to make any baskets. Uh, he travels a lot when he tries to drive. He's not like a great driver. So I understand why Boston gave up on him. 
You know what I mean? Um, I understand why he was out of their playoff rotation now, watching him play for 19 games. And, you know, it's still early. Maybe he turns it around. But so far right now, I'm just not feeling what he's doing, Fotch. And unfortunately, I think there's too many guys on this team that have proven in a little bit of short time that they deserve those minutes more than he does. That they have. And and you know, you want to see more, like I mentioned with Duarte. You want to see more with Nimhard for sure. You brought up a good point with O'Shea. I mean, O'Shea is a guy that he's not blowing anyone away by any means, but hey, why not if, if you're making some changes? Obviously, the easy change to make would be Matherin in the starting lineup. Clearly, Carl doesn't want to do that. It, it gets to a point where it's just, you know, there, there's we gotta tinker around with some things. I think that O'Shea's not cracking. I mean, uh, Terry Taylor's not cracking that starting unit at any point soon. I don't see McConnell climbing into it. It's nice to see Kendall Brown getting a couple minutes over here, but you obviously know he's not going in the starting unit. So it just feels like if you're going to make a change and it's not going to be Matherin, it, it's going to be Nemhard going back there. Maybe you try O'Shea before Duarte gets back, but change will come at some point. And I don't even want to point the finger at Jalen by any means because he did have a career night tonight but I, I'm not loving the Jalen Smith Miles Turner you know pairing nope, this year nope. I'm really not and and I don't think that look you're not going to see Turner go to the bench but and, and Jalen Smith at some point could he go to the bench yeah it, it could happen but on a night where he drops a career high 23 we're not going to say that he was the problem tonight so man the Pacers got some things to figure out uh you know one, one game they're hot Another game, they're cold, but you got to find consistency. And I think this is what you deal with, with a young team really trying to find their way. Yeah, I mean, great point on Jalen Smith. I was going to bring that up too, especially if he struggled again tonight. Um, Just been kind of sitting in the back of my head like, man, this has not been a great fit for him. But I think if you go look at a lot of the games when it's, when it's been close, he's not been out there on the floor to close games. Um, no, Matherin's on playing the four a lot. They, they've been running a lot of lineups of, of Turner, Matherin, Buddy Hill, Tyrese Halliburton, and then it's been Nimhard. It's been Neesmith at times. It's been TJ McConnell at times, even O'Shea at times. So they've uh, they've got that four that I think they really trust in crunch time, and they just try to find the fifth guy that makes sense for what team they're playing. But, yeah, just real quick on, on the percentages here for O'Shea Brissett. From the field, he's shooting 45% over the last nine games, and this is probably going to be a, a, a good to hear for, for fans. He's 40% from three over the last nine games compared to Neesmith's 30%. So even if you leave the good games in there, he's shooting 10% better from, from distance. And, you know, his plus minus over that stretch has been a plus 27 Fachi. So, um, you know, you really like, like that from him, but obviously he was in uh, the lineup that was getting killed tonight at the end. So I don't really count that game against him too much, but yeah, I, I think O'Shea, even if it's a smaller minute role, I would be okay with them giving him a chance in the starting lineup. But um, I'm tired of being negative. Are you ready to talk some positive basketball? I'm ready to talk something positive because <laughs> it was hard to find some positives. We did our best, but let's move on to something that's actually positive. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about this 128-117 to victory over the Brooklyn Nets that took place on Friday in Cambridge Fieldhouse. The, the last home game before the seven-game road trip. So let's talk about that, but we'll do that right after the break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Fachi, so things were not looking good for the Pacers here in this game. It looked like they might be heading towards another loss, but they outscore the Brooklyn Nets 40-23 to in the fourth quarter behind Benedict Matherin's 16-point breakout quarter. This was a fun game, Fachi. It really was, and I was, I was skeptical coming into this against Brooklyn because I, you know, the way that we played against Minnesota, I said, hey, look, you know, Brooklyn, that's a team that you expect to see in the playoffs. You know, in the playoffs, not maybe we don't expect to see them directly, but you know, fans expect to see them as a playoff team. And I and I thought, hey, look, anytime you got Kevin Durant, you got Kyrie Irving, you know you're gonna have your hands full. I thought the Pacers did a great job rallying back another rough first quarter, outscored 35 to 23. But the way that they finish up in the fourth quarter, and, and that the fact that the Pacers have been the best fourth quarter team in the league thus far. It showed in that comeback win. What better way to get the win than behind the Benedict Mathurin? With the 16 points in the fourth, your rookie leading the way, fantastic. Yeah, Buddy Hill in that quarter had seven points. McConnell had six. Turner had five. Halliburton had four. And then I think one of the guys that probably helped turn this entire run around once again against the Brooklyn Nets, former Net. James Johnson, he had two points in that fourth quarter, but Afachi, on that night, he was a positive plus-minus once again. He's been a positive plus-minus against the Nets, I believe, in every game this season. Mm -hmm. They plus, let me see here, plus 12 in this game, and he only played 10 minutes. So James Johnson did some really nice things out there. Miles Turner was fantastic in this game. He was 9 of 11 from the field, and and I think he had eight rebounds in this game. So, you know, a a good performance from him. He was a plus 26. Buddy Heald broke out of his shooting slump, was 9 of 15, 5 of 8 from 3. For 26 points, he was a plus 21. And Halliburton, like we talked about uh, off air a little bit, 21 points, 15 assists, zero turnovers once again. He had 
before tonight, I think he had like the last four games, he had 14 plus assists in all those games. So, you know, Halliburton playing great. And then obviously McConnell played good off the bench. Uh, Matherin played great in that fourth quarter. So it was really just a great team win against a Brooklyn team that was shooting the ball well. But defensively, Brooklyn's got a lot of problems. Oh, they really do. And, and you know, just, I want to tip my hat to James Johnson. You talked about it. It seems like we pretty much only play James Johnson when we're playing the Nets, and it's worked. <laughs> so uh, awesome stuff. But, hey, he's been uh, nothing but, but a class act right over here. So great uh, veteran performance, staying ready when called upon. Uh, Halliburton, I mean, you mentioned it, 21 points, 15 assists. I mean, I, I read that. I think it's like the rest of the NBA has in terms of, uh, you know, Games like that, 15 assists or more, whatever it is, he's racking them up. He's got three in his last, like, half a season, I think, that matches, like, the NBA close to it. So what he's doing right now, being the engine that makes this Pacers team run, it's it's fantastic. And right now, I, I really do think he's making a killer all-star game case. Um, but, you know, this was a game that I was surprised that Ben Simmons had it going. I mean, yeah. as rough as Simmons had been, Eight of eight in the game. I mean, to see him score 20 points, which I believe is a season high, not great. But at the same point, the Pacers did enough to be able to get that win. Um, overall, I mean, what was what, what do you think really stood out most in this performance? Yeah, so for me on this one, I just felt like there were so many mismatches the Pacers could attack with Seth Curry, Joe Harris, and Kyrie Irving out there on the perimeter. Um, we know Royce O'Neal is known for his defense, and – um, he, he, he's fine, but he's not like some lockdown defender. No. Kevin Durant had to carry this team once again. I mean, he nearly had a triple double 36 yeah. points, nine rebounds, eight assists. He was unstoppable, Buddy Hill tried his best to guard him. You know, I, I give Buddy a lot of credit for playing 39 minutes in this game, probably having his best game of the season with 26 points on five of eight shooting from three while guarding Kevin Durant. That's a, that's a big task for him. It is. So I really, you know, thought that was good of him, but one thing that I was kind of disappointed with in the first half, and I tweeted about it, I did not like how the Pacers were not going to Benedict Matherin at all. It felt like they just constantly were running the offense on the opposite corner that he was on, and, and there was times when Seth Curry was on him. And I've seen Seth Curry play for a long time, and I know that we've been a fan of his shooting. That man can't guard a bucket of water. No. He's not a good defender. So I, I thought, man, you have one of your best drivers, if not your not if not you know one of your best, the best drivers on your team in Matherin, and he's got Joe Harris and Seth Curry on him, and we're not trying to give him the ball, yet we're trying to run pick-and-roll actions here with Kevin Durant guarding Buddy Heald and stuff like that. Like, why are we going out their better defenders instead of attacking their weaker defenders? And they started doing that a little bit more in the second half, so I was really impressed with that. But overall, it's just like this felt like a game, and we talked about it after the Minnesota game. We can hang with Brooklyn. We know we can. They're an offensive-minded team. They like to get up a lot of points. I think uh, Jock Vaughn, their uh, their coach, called out their defense and said Nick Claxton can't do it all. He can't be their only source of defense. And I thought uh, the chippiness was there between Claxton and Isaiah Jackson in the third, and then Claxton kind of body-checking Tyrese for no reason after he blocked his shot. So a lot of frustration from Brooklyn in that fourth quarter. They couldn't stop the Pacers. But I just thought it was a great team win overall. And uh, despite uh, another bad shooting night, I guess you could say, from Aaron Neesmith in that game, uh, and probably Jalen Smith like didn't play great, like what well, wasn't super impactful. They were all double digit scoring in the starting five, and then you had Matherin with twenty off the bench. I just thought it was a really balanced game. It was like six players scoring in, du- in double figures. That's really going to be a winning recipe over here. But 
Overall, I mean, the 28 assists, I've always said you get near 30. Hey, that's winning basketball right there. The shooting 50% from the field, it's it's great. But I think the way that the Pacers clawed back in this win was kind of the, the biggest statement of, you know, they were, it was an ugly performance against Minnesota. And I felt like for the first half of this game, it really wasn't great against Brooklyn. But, you know, they, they, they clawed back from, they were down by as much as 12 in that game. And to be able to, you know, to, to make that comeback in the fourth quarter, but not just make the comeback, they won by 11. Yeah. I mean, it just showed that in the second half, they handled business. And right now, they beat the Nets twice this year. And the, the other game, you know, was they were in it. I mean, they lost 116-109, the, the game that I attended, where it really came down to right at the end of the game. So if you can hang with a team like like Brooklyn, who, you know, they're, they're paying some – some superstar players. I mean, they got three max contracts on that team. It shows that the future is bright over here. You know, against the Clippers, look, it's a major letdown. It is. But there's going there's going to be some of those games you lose that you should have won. And then there's going to be some games that you didn't expect to win. And I'm not saying that win over, over Brooklyn was a, hey, we can't win this game. Because the Pacers definitely can. But I thought it was a, a good quality win at home before you embark on a seven-game road trip out west. Yeah, I mean, those are all great points. And I think another point that we just kind of overlooked talking about this game was the free throw discrepancy, Fachi. 38 free throw attempts for the Pacers to just 10 for the Brooklyn Nets. And part of that is because Brooklyn is a jump shooting team. They don't, I mean, Kevin Durant can can get to the free throw line, but he's not a guy that's constantly driving, looking to get fouled. Uh, He's a guy that's going to rise above you and make shots in your face, you know. And I thought, you know, Mather did a good job of, of getting to the free throw line. I'm sure there's other players that did a good job of getting to the free throw line that, uh, you know, aren't coming to me off the top of my head. But it was just one of those things where we were constantly getting free throws. Halliburton, six of six. Mather in six of nine. Jalen Smith, five of six. Neesmith and Turner were three of four. Uh, Buddy was three of three. So, you know, uh, TJ McConnell, two of two. Isaiah Jackson, two of four, all from the free throw line. So we were getting to the foul line by putting pressure at the rim because, look, their rim protection was having to guard Miles Turner half the time and Nick Claxton. And the Pacers were doing a lot of, like, you know, pick and pop, pick and roll type of thing with Claxton. And um, I forget whoever was guarding. I think it was Ben Simmons was guarding Tyrese for a little bit and, and trying to create that switch so that they could, you know, just put pressure on on the Nets defenders. And it, it just felt like the Nets defense was MIA, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. I'm sure they were a little bit tired. They've been on the road for a little bit now. So, um, I think that was their their third game on the road, so I'm, I'm sure they were ready to get back home, and they did beat the the Trailblazers 111 to 97 after that game. So, yeah, th- this to me was just one of those games where we had everything clicking at the right time. Early on, it felt like we were going to get shot out of the game, but Pacers came back like they always do. It feels like, and when when games big, when they look like they're going to be losses. Uh, or very, very close. So I was impressed with this one, but just the resiliency, the connectivity from this team, they play for each other. And we've briefly talked about that, but they continue to showcase why they're a fun and connective team. Well, they are. I mean, I know, I know the Clippers lost. Look, it left an awful taste in my mouth, but just towards the end, I was like, all right, get some of the younger guys in. Seeing Kendall Brown out there, I know he didn't score a basket or anything, but it gave you something to say, look, the expectations are not so high like in previous years where it's like, how did you not beat this team without Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard? It's like, look, the losses, they're, they're going to happen. But I think more, more than anything right now, the Pacers have surprised many, many teams, and I, I wonder how long they'll continue 
to surprise teams. I, I think as the year goes on, you know, more people are more, you know, opposing defenses are catching on to what the Pacers are doing. But for right now, I can't say that I'm disappointed by this team in any way, shape, or form. I mean, just look at the standings across the board, Fachi. It feels like everybody's, you know, kind of looming around 500. You got the Hawks 11 8, the Pacers 11 and 8. Phillies 10 and 9, Toronto's 10 and 9, Washington 10 and 9, Brooklyn 10 and 11, New York 9 and 10, Miami 9 and 11, uh, Chicago 8 and 11. I mean, look at that. That's like three, it's, that's two games separating all those teams, Fachi. So it, it's just a jumbled up mess right now. Excuse me, that's three games, not two games, separating all those teams. It's a jumbled up match, a mess. Even if you go to the Western Conference, like 11 and 8 for the Pelicans, 11 and 8 for the Grizzlies, 12 and 9 for the Clippers, 10 and 8 for the Kings, 11 and 9 for the Blazers, 12 and 10. It's just like everybody is hovering around 500. We've had injuries. We've had wacky starts to the season with like the Jazz getting super hot, Indiana going hot in November when nobody expected it. I mean, that's why I'm saying, like, you know, you can usually tell what type of team, you know, uh, it's, you can tell what what style a team is or what everyone, what I'm trying to say here. Like, you can figure out a team's identity 20 to 25 games into the season more than likely. But at the same time, the better talent's eventually going to start winning more games once they start getting that connectivity, start playing together more. And, and you know, the Pacers, they have the chemistry, which is good, but – on a night-to-night basis, I'm just not sure if they're going to have the talent to to get to the play-in game by the end of the season. Yeah, I, I really don't know. We still have so much basketball to play uh, on about two games from now. So mid this upcoming week, Pacers will have played 25% of their games for the regular season. So Hey, we're getting there. We're about to be a quarter of the way through, so we'll learn more about the team. But we don't have that full identity of if we're for real or if we just got off to that hot start. So it's going to take quite a few months to learn more about this team. But I'm just going to sit back, buckle up, and I'll be here for the ride. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I know I've been rambling here a lot about random stuff, so don't want to keep doing that. I think this is a good opportunity, though, for the Pacers to figure out who they are. See how they adjust. I'll be interested to see how they adjust to this game against the Lakers. They really don't have to go anywhere. They're in the same arena. So how do they come out and perform on the third night and and third game in four nights, right? This is going to be a good opportunity for some of the guys that maybe have been involved in trade rumors to showcase themselves against the Lakers. It's going to be a, a talking point for sure across all NBA media. So, you know, you're hoping that, you know, these guys have good games just for their for their individual sake, right? But, yeah, I, I mean, if you look at the schedule, Fachi, no game should be more exciting than what's happening Wednesday night. I mean, this is probably the game of the season so far with the Pacers traveling to Sacramento to play the Kings. I mean, that game is going to be special. You've got, you know, Buddy returning for the first time. Um, I don't know if you heard his post-game press conference yep, at the I table did. with Miles and – he gave a very politically correct answer. Very professional Miles, answer. <laughs> Miles goes, yeah, that's not how he really feels. <laughs> no, no way. And you know that game means a lot to him. And he wants to shoot the ball lights out in that game. I don't blame him. Halliburton with the chip of the century on his shoulder as he wanted to carry that Sacramento franchise for years. So, I mean, you got that. Sabonis versus the Pacers. I mean, Sabonis story, versus Turner. What are you talking about? Well, well, yeah, but also against the Pacers. I mean, I I just feel like you could say Turner versus Sabonis. I mean, either way that you want to, you know, add chalk it up, this game means a lot to many people. 
Yeah, and and some uh, like these will be like underlying storylines, but like Matherin versus Keegan Murray, right? I mean, I think that's important to Matherin. I think he cares about that. And then another one, Rick Carlisle, Mike Brown, that connection right there. Once again, right? Brown coached under Rick Carlisle before he became the head coach of the Cavaliers. So a lot of, you know, connectivity here in terms of, I keep saying that word, that's just in my head, I'm sorry. Uh, just a lot of different, you know, relationships, connections here that are going to make this game very impactful. But don't sleep on this Lakers game because I think it's going to be a fun one too. Uh, Lakers are playing really good. Russell Westbrook's been playing an awesome job off the bench. I think Kevin O'Connor pointed this out on, on the ringer that he's like basically abandoned the mid-range jump shot. And so it's all threes are at the rim and he's playing better because of it. So uh, I think who, who was it for the, for the Spurs was Zach Collins that yep, busted that, him in the head. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, so Russ rough. is playing with like, like a man on a mission and LeBron's back. AD has been playing awesome. I watched him play great against the Suns the other night on uh TNT. So this will be a fun one as well. I just, I want to see the Pacers get that win more than anything against the Kings though, just because I know how much it'll mean to Buddy and Tyrese Miles and, and probably even Benedict Mather. Absolutely. I mean, we got a lot of great games ahead of us. I'm really excited. We're going to learn a lot about this team, but whew, Alex, before we keep rambling anymore, <laughs> give us this, the, the go home, you know, sign. What do we got? Yeah, for sure. So just so you guys are aware, if you didn't see the reel, Bob Kravitz will be on with us Tuesday, okay? So we're going to be able to talk with Bob about everything that's going on with the Pacers and, and his thoughts on that. But with that being said, Fachi, let us know where people can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. You can find all of our content there, as well as my Substack, uh, the blue uh, blueandgolden.substack.com. You can find that link in my Twitter bio. Subscribe to that. I will have a new article out soon. I have had to put that off a little bit, but Fachi. If you're excited for the Indiana Pacers to get back to their winning ways, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.